0: Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid
2: Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to another episode of the Picks for Polls podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, happy to be joined by my co-host say cultural. We are recording this episode on a Wednesday here, November 16th, as uh, we are about a week away from Thanksgiving. And there's a lot to thank. Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for these days as Bears fans. As you know, the wins aren't really coming for this team, but uh, dang it, the Bears do have a quarterback here, and that is really exciting to see. Um, as we record this episode, following. The Bears lost to the Detroit Lions on Sunday. But before we get into everything that we have today, you say, how are you doing today, man?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm excited. Like you said, I mean, Bears football is always fun to watch for me, but it's certainly more exciting now that there's a quarterback in place. Or I guess you have to hope that, you know, it, it's, it's backwards, right, for the Bears. Because it's like the question's always been, well, they don't have the quarterback, but they've semi got the offensive core around The quarterback and now it's like they have the quarterback but the offensive core around that quarterback isn't necessarily like mind-blowing by any means because there's still a lot of work to be done but overall you know I'm doing well and yeah just excited to see Justin Fields progress the way he has
2: yeah Justin Fields he's been on a absolute tear the last month or so of the season um, I think it really started in that Patriots game when he really started to get going. There were some flashes here and there before that, like the Vikings game was pretty solid, um, you know, but up until that point, he's, he's kind of struggled throughout this year, but it feels like they really have unlocked something since that Patriots game. And this offense has been really humming since then. Um, I think they've been one of the most efficient offenses in football over the last month or so. And a lot of that has to be, has happened on the ground for this team. Um, just, just, the ability for this team to just rack up yards on the ground and Justin fields. I mean, we saw it once again. Um, he had that incredible performance against the dolphins where he ran for 178 yards on the ground. Um, just doing incredible, incredibly special stuff there. And then he follows it up in this Lions game, um, uh, where, um, once again, you just see that athletic ability to make plays in space and the speed and the explosiveness. Um, it's just really exciting to see a quarter to have a quarterback like this that we just haven't seen this as Bears fans. So um, it, it's been really fun to see Justin Fields progressing. Um, but like you said, I mean, you know, it, it just makes watching these this team we feel they're not good and there are clearly holes all over this roster. You know, it, it's the opposite of where we've been before, where we feel like you know if only we could find a quarterback here, you know, we have all these other pieces to surround this guy with, to surround a future guy with talent. And hopefully it works out. Now it's, it's in this case where I think Bears fans are starting to come around to the fact that, um, you know, the Bears have a quarterback in place. And now it's about finding those pieces around him. And I think that starts in the passing game. We saw it again in this Lions game, how um, the passing game is not very good. Um, so, I mean, let's just break down what we're doing for this episode before we get into that. You said, um, obviously, we're going to talk about some Bears needs you know, following this last month or so of football to kind of discuss heading into this draft. And there are some draft storylines that we need to cover as well. We look at um, some of the quarterbacks in this draft class and how they're progressing, um, some wide receiver talk as well. But let's get into some bear centric storylines starting with this offense here because, um, you know, this passing offense, we've talked about it, you know, constantly throughout – through this offseason to early in the season as the season has progressed here. But while Justin Fields has played really well over the last month or so, it's definitely the case that this passing offense needs a lot of work. And, you know, it's at every level here in terms of the, you know, the pass blocking. They need better pass protection in front of Justin Fields to the wide receivers to you know, backs out the backfield being weapons in the passing game, you know, maybe more dynamic tight ends, you know, even though Cole Komet is starting to come around as a receiving threat for this team. Um, you know, there's just a lot wrong with this passing game right now. And, you know, Justin Fields, he's been more efficient as the year has progressed. But we saw once again this Lions game where, you know, they have a chance to go down and win the game on a last-minute drive. Uh, once again, for I think the second week in a row, uh, we look at this, this Lions game and the Dolphins game, uh, the week prior and the passing game, just not able to get it done. Like they still haven't found a way to integrate chase Claypool. Uh, Darnold Mooney has been good. Yeah. You know, it's pretty dang good so far, but um, still not showing up in these big crucial moments as, you know, the guy, um, the, the number one passing option uh, for this team so far. And we've seen some things from Cole Komet, but, and uh, you know, more consistent over the last month or so, but I, I'll, we'll kind of get into it. How, um, You know, that that may be a little bit of fool's gold there in terms of, you know, his success so far. So weapons still an issue for this passing game. You know, what are your kind of takeaways from what we've seen from this passing offense so far?
1: I mean, it's certainly a lot to take in, right? You kind of start off the year with Darnell Mooney as literally the only threat. You've got a guy in Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, and Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, who, by the way, has been the most disappointing player on the Bears offense this year. And I would argue even more so the second most disappointing free agent signing outside of Lucas Patrick, which, again, we'll talk about all these free agents when we do our kind of offseason evaluations come January. But ultimately, I think, you know, the problem with this passing offense is this, right, is the Bears are averaging right now 128.1 passing yards a game the NFL average is 221, right? So the Bears are about 93 yards behind where the rest of the NFL is at. And it's an issue because you can't always rely on Justin to be able to run the ball, right? And I honestly think you look at it, right? The Bears' numbers on offense are pretty, pretty skewed, right? Even the rushing numbers are so skewed because it's almost like, How much are the running backs actually running the football? And then how much is Justin Fields running the football, right? So you're in this whole conundrum of people are under the impression the Bears have an offense because they're scoring 30-something a game, which for this franchise is, let's just be completely honest, scoring 30 in a game for three or four straight weeks is a foreign concept to the Bears organization. But the reality is, is that, you know, you have to get the passing offense kind of dialed up here. And if anything, you know, these losses are going to keep piling up. You've got the Bills, Eagles, as well as the Vikings on the schedule at some point. You know what? The Packers had a surprise win this past week. So you can't really rule Aaron Rodgers out. Plus, Aaron Rodgers always does good against the um bears anyway and then you've got the jets as well as the falcons and lions a couple times right so the only real justification the bears have at this point is just let justin be aggressive and sling it downfield why because the organization's sending a very clear message right now they don't care about 2022 behind the scenes they legitimately care about 2023 and if the real evaluation year for justin is 2023 then you know what You as a coaching staff need to go ahead and let him just kind of do his thing. If he makes a mistake, fine, but just let him air the ball out. Why? Because we saw when he was at Ohio State and he had the two deep threats in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, That passing offense was one of the best in the college football, right? Now, I'm not saying that that is going to be the case here in the NFL, but... What was the point of trading for a guy like Chase Claypool if he was only going to have, you know, two targets and one reception for eight yards in week 10, right? And even that, I thought the first week Chase Claypool was here with the Bears in that Miami game, like he did far, far, far better in terms of getting involved in the passing game. So the Bears need to get this aerial attack going because it's just the way that the modern NFL works. And, you know, just because Claypool and Mooney are your one and two guys now doesn't take away from the fact that you still need a third receiver to really round out this core.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean it's the conversation we've had all year long where, you know, they need to start stacking some weapons on this offense to make it work. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough conversation we to be had because a lot of what they're doing right now, I like because they are starting to to better you know play Justin Field's strength as a player both as you know using his athleticism as a runner but also as a passer you know they're doing a lot more play action stuff to kind of keep him comfortable, a lot more full field reads and progression reads instead of you know pick a side reach which he kind of struggles with at this time. So they're doing a lot of things that I actually like. But, I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent where you want to see them air it out a little bit more. Just, you know, selfishly, you want to see just, like, let put the ball in the air a little bit. And, you know, I think that's going to come in time once they start to really, you know, get some of these guys more established in the offense. Like, I, I understand why Chase Claypool maybe isn't as big of a factor right now because it's the second week of the team. They tried to force feed him a little bit last week to kind of just get him in a little bit of a rhythm. But, I mean – it's tough for me to really criticize what Luke Gessie's doing because, you know, I I, I was hard on him early in the year for a lot of the conservative play calling that he had, but yeah. And again, that's still some of it that is still there. Like you look at the second half, once the bears got out two scores, like I thought Luke gets got really conservative with his play calling, you know, a lot of run, run pass type of stuff, which I'm just not particularly a fan of, Um, you know, and running the game, you know, running the ball to, you know, kill some clock and, um, you know, win the game in that way is fine. But, you know, you, you still got to mix it up a little bit and find ways to be aggressive when you can. And I still think Luke Essie's kind of finding that balance. Um, but, I mean, with that said, he's, you know, he's getting third-point game from this group with, you know, a bad offensive line and an even worse receiving core. So I can't really blame him too much or false him too much because he has he is having a lot of success with this offense. And doing so in a way that is – you know, helping to elevate Justin Fields and, you know, showcase his strengths a little bit. So there are some good things there, I will say. And one good thing that's kind of happened as a result of this is that we're starting to see uh, Cole Komet become more involved in the passing game. You know, it's been a while um, since we've really seen that happen. Um, over the first month or so of the season, like Cole Komet, it looked like it was another year where he was just going to be kind of a non-factor in this passing offense. And over the last three games or so, he's really come on strong He has five touchdowns in the last three games. We know what he does in terms of contributing as a blocker, both in pass protection and in the running. Nothing spectacular there, but, you know, pretty solid overall. And, you know, we saw it in this one, you know, two touchdowns in this last game against the Lions. Now, I will say a caveat to this is that I think the stats are going to look a little bit better than what Cole Komet actually is as a player at this point. Like, Cole Komet, like – my opinion of him as a player still hasn't really changed all that much based off of his recent success. Like, you know, he's still the same guy I've always seen him as like, he's a solid, you know, low level starting caliber tight end um, in the NFL who can contribute as a blocker and be pretty solid there and be a nice like complimentary option in the passing game, but not really someone who really moves a needle or anything like that. But, I, I, again, you look at his touchdowns. Like all of his touchdowns have basically been, either he was left wide open in the flat, or he was schemed wide open, or there was a coverage bust, Basically, like none of it involves like him like beating coverage one on one or making a crazy play after the catch to break a bunch of tackles or do something explosive. Like again, it's all stuff where he's getting schemed up very well by Getze or the defense is put in conflicts where they had to choose between him. Or, you know, stopping a rushing throw like Justin Fields where, you know, he's doing those scrape blockings where he's faking like he's blocking, then he slips it, and then he walks in the end zone. Like, it's it's nothing, like, crazy impressive, but it's still nice to see Colton. I will say it's still nice to see him get involved like this in the offense. because You know, like, I, I've given him a lot of crap, you know, before, you know, before because I, I didn't like the pick at the time. I think he's been pretty, you know, he's been pretty much what I thought he was coming out of Notre Dame. But, you know, it raises an interesting question because we talked about the Bears need to add some more explosiveness at the tight end position going into next year. And I wonder if that's still a need for this team because, you know, clearly this offense is able to, you know, utilize tight ends in ways that, you know, gets them open without having to really rely on them as, you know, receivers and route runners and technicians and whatnot. Um, and we've seen it before, like Ryan Griffin has, has had some success this year getting open. We've seen Cole Komet get open um, in this offense. And, you know, going back to Luke Gussie's days in, in Green Bay, and like Robert Tanyan, I wouldn't say is a sp- spectacular talent in his own right, but he had 13 touchdowns one year. So, you know, this is an offense that, you know, is really tight end friendly in terms of helping them out in the passing game to be productive here. So it raises the question, like, this is a talented tight end class coming up. You know, do we still see tight end as a, as a big need going forward? What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I would say 110% absolutely you address the tight end position, right? And I'm not going to sit here and diminish Cole's play over the last couple weeks just because if we're being honest, right, he's had five touchdowns in the last two games. And effectively, he has been the most consistent playmaker the Bears have had on offense, right? Even better than some of the wide receivers. But ultimately, the bigger story here is this, right, is that you look at some of the best teams in the NFL and They have that kind of primary tight end and then on top of it, they've got a solid second or third option, right? So you look at the Chiefs, for example, well, they've got Travis Kelsey, we all know, and I believe you've got Noah Gray, who's the tight end too, who's a very solid underrated tight end, not ever gonna be your like 60 70 catch guy but just gonna be someone who has like 30 to 40 receptions a season which is good enough by the way and the Bears need to kind of find their version of that right they need to find somebody who's gonna come in be reliable can kind of be on the field in some of these goal-to-go situations and then on top of that it's just all about adding that depth right you look at Ryan Griffin should not be here next year. None of the undrafted guys like Trayvon Wesco have even remotely impressed. And so by all means, if the opportunity is there for a guy like Iowa Sam Laporta, put him in a Bears uniform, you 110% go ahead and take it. Now with that said, I think there's a slight caveat that exists. If Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia is there on the board, who I think he's going to be a late first round, early second round pick. Do you pull the trigger on Darnell Washington? Yeah, I could see it happening. Now, people would argue like that's more of a want than necessarily a need. But I think that Darnell Washington's so freakishly athletic and just so well-rounded that it's, He's too good of a player to pass up on because he's the type of tight end you plug into your offense day one and say, you know what? We know we're going to get a um, consistent amount of production from you. But to go back to the original question, yeah, you need to add a tight end whether or not you believe in Cole Komet. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's certainly reasonable. Like, you can never have too much depth at that position. And, you know, it's one of the things where we talked about it. Like, you want to stack talent at these, you know, receiving positions. And, like I said, like, there are a lot of talented tight ends coming into this class. Like, Michael Mayer is, you know, going to be the guy that profiles this class. You know, you bring up Washington as the guy from Georgia who just a freakishly talented player who kind of fits that inline mold of, this guy's huge. He's about 6'7, 280, but runs really fast in the straight line and you know has that physicality to where he can be, you know, another guy who contributed as a blocker and as a receiver, who I think could do well in this offense here. But yeah, I mean there are some other guys here that you know hasn't have some entry to them, like Cameron Latu from Alabama has got some talent. You know, Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State has been someone who's risen up boards a little bit. Dalton Kincaid from uh Utah. So it, it's definitely an intriguing tight end class. So if you want to add a guy to this group to play alongside Cole Komet, because like at this point, like even though like I'm still not the biggest Cole Komet guy in the world and you know for it, it says a lot for me to say this, but I think it is more likely than not that Cole Komet is going to get an extension with the Bears at this point just because I think I think this new regime really likes what he brings to the table, both on the field and as a you know presence in the locker room. And Again, he's a good fit for what they want to do. They want guys that can block. They want guys that are not afraid to contribute um, in that, that aspect of the game. And I think Luke he knows that he can find ways to scheme up Komet to scheme around his shortcomings as a player. And we're, we're starting to see the results really come to fruition here. Like, Cole Komet has looked pretty good these last few weeks. So I'm not going to discount that whatsoever, even though, again, my opinion on him hasn't fully changed too much. But one opinion that you know definitely has not changed for me, if we look at the other side of the ball, for this bears has been this defensive line and oh brother like this it, it's been rough to watch this defensive line play uh over the last few weeks because you know they start they showed some flashes early on in the year but you know as they, they're trading away robert quinn and you know even though they've seen some young guys get some playing time here with dominic robinson getting more time travis gibson getting more extended time um and, you know, in the interior, you bring a guy like Justin Jones to kind of contribute at that three tech spot. You know, this, this defensive line has been booty cheeks all year long. And it was another case of that, this, in this last game, like the bears were able to get two sacks on a couple of blitzes by Jack Sanborn in this one, but pressure you know, pressure's not there for Jared Goff. And, and while the Detroit Lions offensive line is pretty stout on paper, they've actually been one of the worst pass protecting offensive lines in football this year. And so you know Jared Goff is a quarterback that really struggles under pressure um and see him just stand back there all day against this defensive line was really frustrating because you know if you just get it just a, a hint of pressure on him he's going to he's going to melt down and that did not happen throughout this game you know it just goes to show that this bears defensive line has a long ways to go and you know this bears for an office new regime they invest in secondary in this in his latest drafts and this offseason, but I, I think when you look at this next draft and this next offseason, defensive line is ha- going to have to be a position of need uh, a- again. And you know, you go look at some of the prospects that are going to be there for, um, you know, you know this coaching staff and and this, and this new regime in the draft here. Like obviously, the headliner we talked about him before is Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Like I don't think it's, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Carter is the best prospect in this class. Um, if you take positional value out of it, I think, especially for non-quarterbacks, he's probably up there as the number one guy. Uh, he's He's been fantastic this year for Georgia as their number one guy. Um, and then Brian Breezy out of Clemson has been another name that has really stood out as well. So um, there are a couple of guys at the top of this draft class that get you excited. But this defensive line class in general is a pretty strong class, or at least it's, it's projecting to be a pretty strong class. So the Bears have an opportunity here to really – um, strike gold with this interior draft cl- interior class and the edge class is not too far behind either. Like I, th- I think if you're looking for interior defensive line and edge right now, like both of those positions are really strong in this year's draft. And I mean, I c- we can go down the names here, but yeah, there's just a lot of exciting talent that, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to studying once we get to the odd season, because with the limited work that I've done so far, like, there's there's a lot of good players here for the Bears to choose from if that's a position they want to really target in next year's draft.
1: Well, I think really when it comes to defensive line, the question is not necessarily should the Bears do so. I think, no, absolutely the Bears have to do so, right? You're talking about a team which completely overhauled the defensive line. They kind of moved on from – Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, three players who were kind of bona fide starters on that D-line, and then you chip out Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, and all of a sudden you're looking at your front seven and you're like, wait, who's who, right, outside of number 93, Justin Jones, who, by the way, I think Justin Jones, he's on a two-year deal here in Chicago, but it's clear that he's probably going to be here for much, much, much longer than the two years that he originally signed for. But if you're the Bears, right, there's been a couple interesting possibilities that have been floated on social media as of late. And one of the ones has been DeForest Buckner, right? He's carrying a massive cap hit right now with the Indianapolis Colts. They could cut him in 2023 and save about $19 million in cap space. Now, there's two problems that exist with that. Number one, the Colts are going to have a completely new coaching staff. But you could certainly see... The GM, Chris Ballard, sticking around and wanting to keep DeForest Buckner on the roster. And then number two, right, do the Bears really want to shell out a big contract for a veteran player who's effectively going to be on his third team since 2016? Those, I think, are both fair questions to ask. Now, if you ask me, what does DeForest Buckner bring to the table it's really two things. You're talking about number one experience because he at that point would be the most experienced player on the Bears roster. And then number two, you're talking about familiarity with the coaching staff, right? But naturally, just because of experience and familiarity doesn't necessarily mean you should go invest in a player. So for the Bears, where they're at, right? Buckner's not necessarily an option that should be realistic for this team. Because, number one, he's got to get released first. But the number two, the question is, is Ryan Poles going to shell out a big contract for a player like him, right? Because Buckner's not signing on, like, a one-year prove-it type deal next year. That's not going to happen. More so, you go ahead and you build through the draft, right? You look at the Lions. They've got Will – no, I'm sorry. They've got Aiden Hutchinson, right? So the Lions have Aiden Hutchinson, who – I think is going to be a game record for years to come. The Bears need to find that, and the good news is, is this is the draft where, if you're going to invest in the trenches, you've got some really good options, right? Because you have a couple solid offensive tackle prospects, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you have Jalen Carter, defensive lineman from Georgia, and you've also got Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, Brian Breezy, so. The overall theme for the Bears here is this, when it comes to figuring out what to do with the defensive line next year, is it's not an option. No, you do have to address its a necessity. And then number two, the reality of this whole thing is this, is that you just can't go wrong here. Like, it's going to be hard for Ryan Poles to mess this thing up.
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to circle back to the DeForest Buckner conversation real quick because – um, you know, I don't think it's realistic that DeForest Buckner is anywhere except in, in Indianapolis next year. Like, I don't think the Colts want to move him. Um, he's just way too damn good of a player for them to even consider that. Like, even if they were going full tank mode, you know, I I guess if the Colts were going full tank mode, then I'd understand it, but I don't think they are. I think they think they can still be competitive and you know, also the Colts are just a very unpredictable organization right now, anyway, with the way that Jim Irsay is kind of running things. You know, I, I who knows? Maybe Jim Irsay's next, next, um, demand of this team is to trade to Forrest Buckner. And, you know, that would be just, just wild because that guy's on an absolute bender right now. I, I, I don't know what to even make of the Colts situation moving forward. But I'll say this like, if Forrest Buckner becomes available, like, Honestly, if I'm the Bears, I'm considering it. Um, And you know, would they be willing to maybe trade a future pick for DeForest Buckner um, to make that deal happen? I, I don't know. I, I'd be all all for it. Like Buckner is still like a top five defensive tackle in the NFL. So, like, if you can get that guy on your team, like I am all for it. And you know, the Bears should not should not let money get in the way of anything next year. If like if they use money as an excuse next year when they have like literally like twice as much cap space as any other team in the NFL. Like, they're going to next year with $120 million in cap space is what's projected right now, but over the cap. Like I, I don't want to hear money as an excuse for anything in terms of like not getting a deal for a player. If that's the case, they're not willing to spend money not not really being willing to bring a guy in to the team because they're not willing to meet his asking price on the contract. Like, I don't want to hear that next year. That's not an excuse. Like, this Bears team is in perfect position to absolutely spend like crazy next offseason. And if you have the opportunity to bring in a premium talent like DeForest Buckner, and believe me, he is a premium talent. And for all the other me- reasons you mentioned above, like, you know, the familiarity with Iberflus in this scheme, um, the fact that he's still not a, an old player, like he's, yeah, he's going to be on his third team, but he's going to be 29 years old next year, still in the prime of his career. So he's got, you know, at least two or three years of quality football left in him and if you're a team like the bears you need to maximize these last two years of justin fields rookie contract when he's super duper cheap like i don't know I, I think that would be a deal i'd make 10 times out of 10 but that's just me but you know when you look at this is getting into the offseason discussion for AC, but you look at the rest of this defensive tackle free agency class in general it's a pretty you know it's a it, Ryan Poles could do a lot of good things here. Like you said before, like it, it would be very hard for him to mess this up because there is a, a lot of talent here to choose from both in the draft and in the free agency pool. You look at like Javon Hargrave is probably the top defensive to tackle on the market next year. And he's been an absolute game wrecker for the Eagles this year. He's a guy who's still, you know, relatively young and 29 years old has a couple of years left in him. Um, I could definitely see the bears, Throwing a bag at him next offseason to bring him in. Uh, Deron Payne, uh, former first round pick of the Washington now Commanders. Um, You know, he's going to be going to his sixth year. He's going to be a free agent. Um, You know, he's kind of underwhelmed a little bit as a first round pick for uh, the Washington Commanders, but he's still a really pretty dang good uh, nose tackle type. Um, So if you wanted to bring him in, he can kind of play that nose tackle to, you know, a three tech that you bring in like a Javon Hargrave or, you know, whether it's a forward Buckner, like he, he can definitely fill that role as a nose tackle that can not only stop the run, but also get after a little bit as a pass rusher as well. So like Ryan Paul's going to have options, I think, to address the defensive line group. Where I think it, it gets interesting for me is what do they do at the edge position because there aren't a ton of great edge free agents to choose from like Marcus Davenport's going to be, I think, the top name. Uh, from the New, York, New Orleans Saints, a former first-round pick. Um, somebody whose sack production doesn't wow you when you look at it, but you look at him play and his grading profile, and it, it, it's definitely he's definitely a player I think um, is a lot better than what the stat sheet shows. Because I don't think he's had a 10-sack season. If, if he has, it's probably like one 10-sack season, and his sacks are down this year. But you, know, you watch Marcus Davenport play, and you know that this guy has got a lot of physical talent to wreck some games um, but I, I go to the draft again like will, will Anderson be available for them I don't know probably not I think he goes top three at you know at this rate but I think a Miles Murphy could be available for them at edge um, Terry Wilson on Texas Tech you know he's rising steadily up draft boards as well and then you get into day two you know the late first round day two discussion here Isaiah Foskey uh, Notre Dame another Notre Dame guy that could be an option for the Bears uh felix a new dk uzama out of kansas state um you know he's a raw player but definitely has some traits where you like him as a day two player we talked about bj ojolari a couple of weeks ago as well out of lsu um and again there's a lot of other edge players that are really talented in this class so you know it's something where i think the bears should be looking to um you know emphasize here is both in free agency and the draft and then defensive tackle like I I think even if they do sign some of these guys that we talked about I wouldn't mind them still spending a high pick on defensive tackle anyway because you know I kind of like I look at the Philadelphia Eagles in the way they've built their team over the last few years under Howie Roseman and their emphasis on the trenches on both sides of the ball really with their high draft picks and you know even when to tackle or defensive end has not been a need for them. They've still been willing to pick those guys really, really high in the draft because they understand the importance of that position. They understand the importance of depth at that position. And, you know, it just gives them a ton of flexibility to where, you know, that strength is always going to be a strength for them in the trenches. And, you know, if a guy hits free agency, they're not sure if they want to pay him, guess what? They still have a guy with wings to where, Um, They're not losing anything if they had to let some guys go in free agency. And I I think the Bears should be running with a similar mindset here. So even if they do address defensive tackle with two signings this off season, like, you know, they should be still willing to draft a guy if not on day one, then day two. And I think, you know, some guys on day two, they could be interesting for the bears. If we're just projecting this out, you know, really way too early in, in the process, but Kalisha Kansi out, out of Pittsburgh is a name that I think could be interesting. Is kind of that um, situational three tech guy. Tuli Tupolotu out of USC. Um, you know, he's been, been a guy who's kind of been on the NFL radar for a couple of years now. Um, and, you know, we look at Michigan, Mozzie Smith, um, he's a guy who's on Felton's freak list this past summer. So, you know, somebody with a lot of athletic physical potential, a six three, three hundred thirty seven, 337 massive dude, um, who has a lot of athletic ability to work with. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of options I think for addressing this group next off season. So I'm not worried about it right now, but it's something where, you know, we definitely need to see this get fixed because I'm tired of watching this, this bears defensive line in its current state, just knock you after the quarterback and get bullied in the run game. Like. That's something that, you know, cannot continue moving forward. So uh, let's move on in this draft discussion here by talking about some general storylines you said, starting with the quarterback discussion. And I I think it's pretty clear at this point, like we haven't talked about these guys in a little bit here, but um, now that we've had some time to kind of process this season and look back at what these young quarterbacks have done this year, you know, I, I think we've clearly seen that Bryce Young out of Alabama has established himself as the clear cut quarterback one going into um you know what what's going to be going into the offseason process and even though Alabama's not going to be in the college football this year um and we still going to have we're still going to have a lot more information um to gather from CJ Stroud as he finishes his season over the next few weeks um really over the next few months or so um I don't know CJ Stroud was both of our guys I think going into the season as the as the number one quarterback but at this point like Bryce Young's been so good and so consistent so far this year, and you know when you look at CJ Stroud, Will Levis, some of these other quarterbacks, no one has really stepped up. I think to to the plate here to dissuade me from thinking that. What what are your thoughts on Bryce Young and really the quarterback conversation as a whole?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
1: I mean, there's a lot to digest there, right? Now, I remember you and I kind of hanging out on this podcast in August and September, and we were kind of talking about how, you know, we felt as if it was going to be CJ Stroud and then Bryce Young. But I think when you look at this whole thing overall – Key thing to understand is that the reason Stroud hasn't necessarily taken off this year simply because, as a quarterback himself, he's not as explosive of a playmaker as his predecessor Justin Fields. The second option is this: is that Stroud has these explosive wide receivers like a Marvin Harrison Jr., but the other guy who. We're going to get to a bit later. Jackson Smith and the Jigba just been banged up all year, kind of been in and out of the entire lineup now. I think you look at Bryce Young, and what sticks out to me about Bryce Young is the simple fact that there's so much consistency that's there. It's genuinely kind of hard to argue because against him because I don't think Bryce is the type of player where – you know he's a gunslinger, or he's got this really big arm. He's a big mobile threat, right? He's a threat when he gets outside the pocket. He can create these off obscure plays. I'm not saying Stroud, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that that's Bryce Young, right? But I think that Bryce overall is such a well-rounded quarterback prospect, and he's coached up really well too, which makes such a big difference. So I do see right Bryce Young calling kind of following in the footsteps of a Tua Tagovailoa and a Mac Jones, right? And more so, I think, a player like Tua Tagovailoa in the sense that he's not necessarily this overly dynamic kind of playmaker, but just does more than enough every single week to get the job done. And the ceiling there is unlimited. And if you were to ask me to rank these Alabama quarterbacks, right, between – A Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Bryce Young, all of whom have been drafted within the last basically three or four seasons, right? I would tell you that it goes Tua and then Bryce Young and then Mac Jones. And yeah, I do believe Bryce has a chance or Bryce coming out of college was better than Mac Jones coming out of college.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see Alabama turned into a quarterback factory really over the last few years. Like even Jalen Hurts, going back to his time at Alabama before transferring to Oklahoma, you know, he was there before uh, Tua got there. And then, you know, Tua seeing what he's been doing this year. I think he's been, you know, proof that if you put, you know, the correct support around a young quarterback that they can develop and have success even if they've had early career struggles. And, you know, Mac Jones has been an example of the opposite where if you take away – um, that infrastructure that led him to be successful. Um you could see regression and, and we've seen that from Mac Jones. But you know, Bryce Young, where where what where I think he stands out compared to those three, um, especially Jalen Hurts coming out of college and especially with Tua and Mac, um, is Bryce Young has that, you know, that ability to be that creator that we're all looking for from the quarterback position now. Because, you know, it, it's just just the way it is now where the day of the pocket passer I think is over unless you have, you know, an elite processor. And, you know, you look at guys like, you know, veterans like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, who's more than just a pa- uh, pocket passer, but we get the point here. He, he's been around, he's been doing this for a long time, but you know, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, um, you know, the days of Philip rivers, you know, are kind of over and look at, looking at it now, like, you know, Jared Goff had some success early on, but flamed out, Mac Jones had some some success early on, but he's been struggling. Um, and you just go down the line of all these pocket passers, and you know it's just all the top quarterbacks now are guys that have that creative ability to do stuff outside of structure. Or when they're pressured and a play breaks down and they have to make a play, they have the ability to improvise and go do that. And Bryce Young has that. Um, and the only the only knock on him is that you know his size he's, he's an undersized dude his arm isn't the strongest like he doesn't have a bad arm or a noodle arm or anything like that like he's got a good arm but it's not the strongest I would say compared to some of these other top prospects coming out in recent years but he just has that it factor for you know when the game is on the line and he needs to go out there and make a play he just he has the ability to just shut up and go make a play and um, we've seen that multiple times throughout his career. And what's interesting is the way he's been carrying this Alabama offense, which is it's funny to say, because you look at these other past Alabama quarterbacks, like Tula and Mac, especially were definitely, it felt more like they were a product of the machine around them, as opposed to they were carrying the machine. And with Bryce Young, like Al- this Alabama scene was definitely not the same that it has been um, in recent years, especially in the offensive side of the ball. Um, talent-wise, but what he's been doing in terms of, you know, masking has been a pretty bad offensive line there in Alabama and, you know, getting the most out of the receivers that are good, but definitely not. He definitely doesn't have, you know, Jerry Judy anymore or Jameson Williams or, um, you know, Henry Ruggs or any of these really talented pass catchers. He, de- he doesn't have that. Um, so for him to do what he's doing is really has really been impressive. And you compare that to C.J. Stroud, who is in a bit more of an ideal situation at Ohio State, where he has a really good offensive line. He has dynamic wide receivers to work with here. And it often feels, more often than not, that C.J. Stroud is kind of leaving meat on the bone, so to speak. And he doesn't have that ability, I think, right now to create outside of structure or that natural ability to do that. And I think those are that's something that I think a lot of NFL teams are going to be looking for because that is such a valuable part of playing quarterback now is when it breaks down, I mean, we're not going to be able to have the perfect play call all the time. Do you have, you know, that ability to break out of structure and, you know, that ability to stay calm and, you know, be even killed and process things in front of you and, make, and just go out there and make a play. And you know, I, I think that's something that Bryce Young has, and I'm not sure it's something that any of these other quarterbacks have right now. So I, I, I think even though I like, I like Stroud and, um you know, even though he's been a little bit, you know, up and down this year, so to speak, um you know, I, I have to give it to Bryce Young. I think he's done a good job of solidifying his status as Quebec one in this draft class. But I mean, that conversation is going to come more and more as we get on with the off season, um, looking ahead to the next few months. But, you know, one player, speaking of Ohio State here, one player that, I think has seen his draft stock potentially fall has been Jackson, Jackson Smith, uh, Najimba from Ohio state. And a, a lot of it is not his own fault. Um, you know, unfortunately injuries do happen, but you know, that's a part of this evaluation process. And, um, you know, this wide receiver class, it, it's not as of right now, it's not projected to be as good as some of the previous draft classes, That have been very strong at wide receiver, but there are still a lot of intriguing names here. And Jackson, Jackson Smith, and Jimba is one of those names, but, you know, clearly, you know, the injuries in this year is definitely something that has to be worrisome, I think, for NFL teams.
1: You're right, and worrisome is the right term. I mean, we went into the year kind of labeling Jackson Smith the Jigba as the de facto wide receiver one. Ultimately, you look at it, he hasn't played like wide receiver one. Sure, the injuries are an issue, but at the end of the day, he's still got more than enough on tape to prove like, yeah, I can be a day one pick.
2: Yeah, I, I think the talent is definitely, um, it's it's definitely still there, and it's just maybe it's one of those things where it's recency bias and. We just haven't seen it in a little bit, bit. but yeah, I, I think it's one of those, the situation that we have to monitor because it's also possible that Jimba might just stay at school, um, you know, this next upcoming year. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not in his inner circle. I don't, I don't know what he's thinking at this point, but um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's been a disappointing season for him. And, you know, hopefully it's something where once we get to the pre-draft proce- process and if, if he does declare that we can see him bounce back a little bit and, you know, put himself back in the discussion of being that wide receiver because right now what just Johnson's done with TCU and when you look at, you know, Jordan Addison out of USC, like there are some wide receivers that have definitely put their names in in, in the running for being the top wide receiver taken. So um, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of competition at the top there for some of those um, who's going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, So with that said, let's uh, transition to previewing this next upcoming matchup for the Bears as uh, they are poised to take on the Atlanta Falcons on the road here. So they had a couple of home games in a row, um, and now they're retraveling traveling down south to play a Falcons team that has been, you know, they're kind of in a similar situation as the Bears where they're a rebuilding team um, that – you know, doesn't have a ton of talent all over the roster, but they've been just a good fight team all year long. And um, they kind of play – two teams that kind of play two very similar styles of football where both teams want to run the ball. They want to play physical up front. They have mobile quarterbacks that they're going to use in the, pat, in, the, in the rushing game um, as an extension of what they can do with their running backs there. And, you know, they're just two teams that have been in a lot of close games so far this year – um, and you know, I think the Falcons are a little bit ahead of the Bears in terms of the overall construction of the roster. Uh, I think there's a little bit more talent for the Falcons right now, but when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields who, you know, with the way that he's played over the last month has been a little bit of an equalizer um, from that standpoint, it definitely creates a situ- situation to where um, this is an intriguing matchup, I think. So, you know, when you're looking at both sides of the ball here, you said what are some of your for lines for the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball.
1: Well, I think for the offensive side of the ball, really what you're watching is can the Bears actually do anything to go ahead and get the passing game going, right? And I say that simply because you have a team that is trying to find an identity, but unfortunately they've got an identity in the running game, not necessarily in the passing game. And the strength, I think, of Justin Fields that no one wants to talk about is that he can hit, you know, any throw on the field in any – uh, spot Now, what I think also matters is this on the offensive side of the ball is what O-line combination are you going to roll out? You're talking about a team that's pretty much in the first 10 weeks of the season had seven different offensive line combinations. For the Bears, what that means is can they just find that consistent offensive line? Because if we're looking up front at that starting five, hey, no one except Tevin Jenkins should be guaranteed a starting spot in 2023.
2: Uh, starting five this week as well. Like, I, I think it's possible that Riley Reef has uh, won the starting job at right tackle over Larry Borum. You know, this is something I think, you know, we kind of expected all along. But, you know, now, now that we're kind of seeing it, you know, it, that might be something that plays out. But who knows, maybe Laura Bo- Larry Borum takes the starting spot back. Like, we'll see. But, you know, Tevin Jenkins' health is definitely gonna be something to monitor. Um, but like you said, I mean, this offensive line – they're not gonna have the toughest test, though. Like the Falcons pass rush isn't great. Like they have Gray Jarrett in the interior. You know, he's still getting a done despite being a little bit up there in age right now, or at least, you know, he's starting to get a little bit older. He's still a guy who's relatively, you know, young in his prime, but you know, still has had a lot of years on him. Um, been in the league for a while now. But he's still playing at a high level. Um he drafted Arnold Ebacetti. Um in the second round last year's draft. And he's had, you know, some flashes as a rookie pass rusher. Um, You know, Lorenzo Carter has been okay for them. So, uh, you know, this Falcons pass rush isn't isn't great. So I think the Bears are in a good spot to where if they wanted to air it out a little bit more, I I think they should be a little bit more comfortable with that. You know, I'll I'll say for them, like, I agree. Like, I think, you know, can they take advantage of this Falcons defense that, you know, does have some holes all over the place? Like, if there is one one player they need to avoid, though, like, don't throw it to AJ Terrell in this game whatsoever. Like AJ Terrell is going to absolutely lock down uh, whoever he's covering, whether it's Mooney or Claypool. Um, yeah, get like, him at, at at all cost. But you know, otherwise, like I think you know, airing out a little bit more should be a little bit more the strategy. And you know, they're going to be playing in a dome, so you know, what can they do there is is maybe see if they can kind of see if they can get that going a little bit defensively, I'll say for me, like the major storyline is going to be having to revolve around, you know, just this Falcons offense is just a weird one to watch because they have some intriguing, at receiver. you look at Pitts and Drake London, two of these big physical guys who can kind of be mis- mismatch problems all over the offensive formation. They have Cordell Patterson, who of course we know from Chicago, you can do a lot of fun things with. Um, he's been great as a running back for them, but he also does a lot of gadget stuff for them as well. Um, just a really intriguing weapon in that offense. And Arthur Smith, I think, you know, he has his flaws uh, in terms of being too run heavy in his offense, but uh, he's generally one of the more creative offensive minds in football with the way that he utilizes these guys all over the place. So, you know, it's been kind of a running joke. I, you know, I have college in fantasy football, and it's been a running joke all year that the Falcons, like, are doing everything they can not to give Kyle Pitts the ball. Like Kyle Pitts, they had this generational tight end talent um, who was just this great receiving guy, and they just don't use him whatsoever. You know, some of that is Marcus Mariota at quarterback. You know, he's been kind of, um, let's just say, up and down to the least this year. Um, but, yeah, th- I think the, the major storyline is the Bears, like, stopping this, you know, this run heavy approach from the Falcons because they're going to have to be prepared to, you know, play a physical game here. And I'm not sure the bears you know, had the personnel to kind of deal with that. So let's get into predictions here and our X factors. You said, what's your prediction for this one? And who's your X factor for this game?
1: I mean, yeah, it's certainly, you know, it's an interesting game because I think this is going to be the game where, We kind of see the Bears get back on track. And for me, the X factor, without a doubt, is the passing game. I think ultimately you look at everything. This is kind of the game where the Bears can go ahead and take that next step forward. All right. Now, I have the Bears winning this game 31 to 14. Why? Because the Bears and Falcons are both teams that are going to be picking top 10 next year, right? But what makes the Bears stand out over the Falcons is number one, the Bears have a quarterback. And then number two, The Falcons really, I feel like this year, have struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And so Justin theoretically should be able to continue carving them up on the ground while also dialing up the deep shots and getting the passing game going.
2: Well, I'm going to say that the Bears lose this one. Um, And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think either of these defenses can stop these offenses. Like, especially the Falcons and the way they play like, like it's going to be a mismatch because the Falcons have a really good run blocking offensive line. Like uh, they have Lindstrom at right guard and McGarry at tackle. Um, And again, Arthur Smith has been really good at scheming these guys up this year. They still have Jake Matthews playing at a a pretty high level at left tackle. So, you know, that's just a tough matchup for this bears defensive line that just isn't very talented. Um, This front seven really in general, just isn't very good. And you know, and also like this, this Bears offense. Like I think they will have success in this Falcons defense because the Falcons defense is kind of the similar, in a similar state as the Bears were. They're not very good either. So, you know, I, I'm going to say like the score in on this one. I have the Falcons winning 34 to 30. Again, another high scoring game, and I think it should be really exciting because I think Justin Fields could have a really big game here. Um, I'll say that my X factor in this one is going to be Chase Claypool, though. I think, you know, the Bears, you know, he's going to be going into his third game here with this team, and we have to see Chase Claypool really make an impact here for uh, this offense. Like, I think the closest thing that we've seen from him was that first game with the, against the Dolphins, where, you know, he was able to draw um, a pass interference play uh, penalty, and you know, made a couple of catches in the screen game, but overall, didn't really do a ton, and then. You know, last week he really wasn't involved in the game plan whatsoever. So I'd like to see them get Chase Claypool going a little bit. I think you know HRL is going to be covering Darnell Mooney for the majority of this game, so Claypool going to have an advantage. I think to to where you know they could target him quite a bit in this one, and I would like to see Claypool get a you know uh, you know catch a goal ball down the sideline or something, just create a big explosive play to utilize his skill set because. You know, the Bears, you know, they they invested what's going to be a point pick in him for a reason. I think they I think they clearly see a lot of talent in the guy, and I think they see him as a big part of this office moving forward. Now we just have to see that actually play out on the football field. And again, it's gonna be some time, but yeah, we need I think we need to see a big game from Chase Claypool uh coming up here. So uh, without a further ado, that's gonna wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Poles podcast. I'm um, sure for all of our listeners out suits listeners out there to you know, like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcasts and platforms at Blue Wire. Um, and you know, for those wanting to follow us on social media, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Pixar Polls, where you'll be getting some updates from us when it comes to college football and scouting and all that fun stuff. Uh, as for you, said, where can our listeners follow you and find your work?
1: Yeah, hey guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usade Check out my work on the Bear Report, I drop articles. Right after every game, I've got an NFC North recap that comes out Monday or Tuesday. And then I also go ahead and um, have stories out on Thursday or Fridays.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say uh, follow there and check out his work at the Bearport. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter. At AJ Freeman 25, you can find my work at the Bearport as well, uh, gearing up for another edition of the Track in the Trenches series. So uh, looking at what the Bears did against the Detroit Lions from pass protection and a pass rushing standpoint. So it's one of my, one of my favorite things to do here. Also keep keep an eye out for Bearport film review coming up soon. Uh, planning on getting something done um, around Thanksgiving. So um, you to be looking at Justin Fields and what he's done this year. Finally, able to find some time to work on that. Uh, It's been a crazy schedule for me, but with the holidays coming around, you know, able to find some time to you know put together something for you guys there. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But with that said, uh, once again, that's going to wrap it up for us here and for all of our Bears fans out there that are traveling to Atlanta, you know, have a safe trip and uh, definitely have some fun there at that stadium. And for all of us here that are going to be watching at home, uh, everyone have a safe and healthy weekend and, Uh, Go Bears. It's going to be a big week for them as they go down to Atlanta for a road game here. So uh, without further ado, Bear down.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.